The Bible reading tonight is from Acts 8, and it's from 26 to 40. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kandake, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah, the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, please, who is this prophet talking about? himself or someone else. Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, And the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about, preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. This is the word of the Lord. Has anyone ever, has anyone read that passage lately? Yeah? It's a cool story. There's so much goodness in it. And tonight we're going to think about uh, what do we learn from that passage about evangelism and about the Holy Spirit? Um, and so we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to ask and I'm going to lead us in praying to the Holy Spirit that as we read his word, he's going to illuminate it for us. He's going to make it clear for us. So would you pray with me? Father, as we look at your word, we ask for your Holy Spirit. We pray for your Holy Spirit in me as I talk. Pray for your Holy Spirit in us as we listen, and we pray for your Holy Spirit through uh, this time together that the truth of this word would speak to us, not just in our heads but in our hearts, and spur us to action. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I had a great time at the missions conference. Did anyone else? Did you like like Norman Blackaby? Did you enjoy uh, Norman's perspective? Uh, I really enjoyed having him here. And during the missions conference, we had him come and share with the staff uh, for our lunch, uh, some of the staff. And we asked Norman, um, could you just share some some leadership stuff? What's some stuff that, um, you know, is there any leadership tips or whatever? And he says, you know what I'm going to talk about? He says, I'm going to talk about the Holy Spirit. He said, when it comes to leadership, the most important thing, the most important example biblically, is that people were led by the Holy Spirit. And he made this statement, and I've summarised it uh, in, in my own sort of words, um, but this is the general gist of what he said. 
He said, Jesus was fully God and fully man. Even though Jesus was God, everything he did during his earthly ministry, he did as a man. So that Jesus could be the perfect example uh, to us and be the perfect sacrifice for our sins. But his ministry was empowered by the Holy Spirit. The implication is that Jesus, in all his ministry, everything he did, he did by the power of the Spirit. And you see this, and he went through uh, the Gospel of Luke and some others, but we read that Jesus was born of the Holy Spirit, wasn't he? He grew up and he became strong in the Spirit. The Holy Spirit descended on him in baptism. It led him into the wilderness. When he spoke, he spoke the words of the Spirit. When he selects the disciples, what does he do? He prays. He drives out demons by the Spirit. When he's tempted in the wilderness, the Spirit helps him. And even as he was facing death on the cross, Jesus looks to the Spirit. He prays, doesn't he, before he goes to the cross. And it was really uh, touching and a great reminder that it's the Holy Spirit that empowered Jesus' ministry. Uh, and also now the Holy Spirit that empowers us. He shared this great little passage from John 16. This is an awesome little uh, part from John. Just before Jesus goes to the cross, he says, Very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Because unless I go away, the Advocate, that is the Holy Spirit, will not come. But if I go, I'll send him to you. In other words, I have to go because this guy's coming and he's going to do a great job. Um, And when he comes, this is what he's going to do. He's going to prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because people do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. Jesus was saying, I'm going to go. I'm going to go to the cross. I'm going to send to be with the Father, interceding for you, at the right hand of the Father. But you're not going to be alone. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And just as you've seen the Holy Spirit in me, he's going to be in you. One of the things he's going to do is he is going to convict the world about who I am. God is going to draw people to Jesus through the Holy Spirit. And he's going to draw people uh, through his word, but he's going to convict of people of their sin, that they're sinners, that they're not right with God, that they are going to get judged. And it's going to be done uh, by the Holy Spirit. And I just felt, we were so encouraged, so I just thought I had to share that with you. But I wanted to share it because this, tonight we're talking about uh, this story of uh, Philip and the Ethiopian and we're talking about uh, the Holy Spirit and evangelism. And it's fascinating to me that just as the Holy Spirit empowered Jesus' ministry, just as the Holy Spirit, uh, we, we see through the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit empowers ordinary men and women to do amazing things in the growth of the early church. And if you read through the book of Acts, uh, that's what we see. So tonight, as we come to this passage in Acts 8, uh, it's, it's a great passage. It's fascinating to me in this passage uh, that as we read it, uh, Luke, who wrote it, has given all this time, dedicated all this time to uh, the story of someone sharing Jesus in a one-on-one conversation. Lots of places in Acts, we see... Uh, the disciples talking to big crowds of people. But it's fascinating to me that uh, Luke is making a specific example of people having one-to-one conversations, um, conversing about Jesus. Uh, So as we look through that, I think there's a lot to learn. 
Uh, and it's almost, there's a whole lot we can glean from, which is what we're going to do tonight. So we're going to look at three things. How does the Holy Spirit work in Philip? How does the Holy Spirit work in the Ethiopian eunuch? And what do we learn about evangelism? What do we learn about the Holy Spirit at work throughout their conversations? That's where we're going to go tonight. And we're going to start with the Holy Spirit at work in Philip. Now, I should have known this, I feel like, before I started working on this sermon. But you know there's the disciple Philip, one of Jesus' twelve. This Philip is not that Philip. And I just assumed it always was. It's actually not that Philip. The first time we meet this Philip is in Acts chapter 6. Uh, in Acts chapter 6, uh, the early church is growing in Jerusalem, but the, uh, the work is getting so big that uh, there's distribution of food happening, people are missing out, it's causing trouble. And so we read that the 12 disciples gathered together and said, it would be not right for us to neglect this ministry of God in order to wait on tables. So they decide, let's choose seven people who can focus on this specific ministry. And they name a couple... And one of them was Stephen, a man full of the faith and Holy Spirit. And the other one that's mentioned there is Philip. So Philip is not one of Jesus' original 12 disciples. Philip is a second generation disciple. Maybe he came to Christ through one of those original apostles, original disciples. But he was recognised by that older generation. And I love this. This is a great example of it. One generation saying, we are going to pass on, empower you with a ministry. It's a great example of discipling one generation uh, to another. I think it's really cool. And so Philip has this ministry. He's given this ministry, this administration of uh, distribution of food and looking after the poor and looking after the, the, uh, the unsupported in the church. But we read in Acts 7, Stephen there um, gets stoned. Have you read that story before? He gets stoned, uh, he gets beaten up, persecuted for his faith, and this great persecution scatters. So the church in Jerusalem is broken up, all the Christians are kicked out of Jerusalem, they're scattering because there's this great uh, local persecution of the church happening in uh, Jerusalem. So what does Philip do? Does he say, oh, you know, can't minister anymore, I can't do anything, I've lost my special ministry, you know, I, I, was, I, I had my special ministry, but I can't do it anymore, I'm giving up. No. What does he do? We read about him in, at the beginning of Acts 8. Those who'd been scattered preached the word wherever they went. The early disciples, the seven, the early church didn't stop with their ministry. Philip's role had changed what he thought he was doing, but it didn't stop him following Christ. That encourages me to go, sometimes I think, okay, here's my ministry, this is what it is, and then all of a sudden circumstances change. I love this as an example, that Philip keeps on trusting God. And he goes on, and it's really, I love this too, because when uh, it reads on there, verse 6, when the crowds heard Philip, oh, let me go from verse 5, Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralysed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in the city. So Philip, as he goes, does a number of things. He shares about Jesus. 
He casts out impure spirits, demons and stuff like that, and he heals people. And you know what's really cool about that? In Luke 9, you can read about what Jesus taught the very early disciples. Do you know what he taught them to do? We read this here in Luke 9, 1 or 2. When Jesus called the twelve together, he gave them power and authority to what? Drive out all demons to cure diseases, and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And I've put both those verses there. I love this, because what that shows me is that that first generation, Jesus taught the apostles what to do. And that first generation taught Philip, the second generation. So much so that Philip was able to do that, even when he was scattered, even when he didn't now have the church supported, he was discipled. And what an encouragement for us to be thinking about who are we discipling? If you're an older Christian here, who are we discipling? Who are we building into? Let the, I just think it's so awesome that Jesus taught these apostles, the apostles taught these second generation, including Philip, and you read about Philip later in Acts, Philip taught his daughters as well, because we read that they uh, ended up prophesying, so they also went on as well. I love that as Philip was discipled, one of the things he will have been discipled in is listening to the Holy Spirit. Because when we come to this picture of Philip in the Ethiopian, you're going to see how Philip responds, and it's no accident, I don't think, of what he responds. Uh, so we read in verse, the beginning of what we heard that Andrew read to us. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Philip is probably somewhere north of Jerusalem, in the north of the, of the country, and an angel of the Lord said to him, I don't know what the angel looked like. I don't know if you could see its big bright wings or things like that, or it was just, you know. Whenever you read about angels, typically in the Bible, it's usually followed by, and that person was very afraid. We don't get any of that here. We just know an angel of the Lord appeared to Philip and says, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. How would you feel if you were Philip? An angel appears to you tonight. It says, go south to the road to Nara. It's, would, you, would you go? It's pretty windy. It's pretty cold. So, Haley, you'd go, I heard you say. And so you call Pete. Pete, I've just, an angel told me to, to go down south to the road to Gaza. Would you think that something's wrong, Pete? Yeah. Definitely don't drive then if you're going to do that. But Philip, what does he do? He, he goes, he's obedient. So he started out and, and he's on his way. He doesn't even make it to Gaza. He bumps into this Ethiopian eunuch. And then we read, and we'll come back to some of those verses about the eunuch, but then we read, he comes up to this guy, he's in that vicinity, and then because he's been obedient the first time, he's now in a place. And we read that the Holy the Spirit tells Philip, Go to that chariot and stay near it. I don't know how the Spirit told him. It was a voice. It was just an impression he got. I don't know what it was. But what's Philip's response? Oh, I don't know. Maybe. Should I? I don't know. What does he do? He runs to it. Philip runs. To, he runs up to the chariot. He's obedient. He's obedient immediately. Not only does Philip listen to the Spirit... He acts on it immediately. 
And in fact, when he's there, he initiates that conversation. I think the encouragement for us tonight can be, are we people, if the Spirit tells us to do something, would we do it? Are we people, are we Christians that listen to the Holy Spirit? Part of following Jesus is being people that listen to the Holy Spirit. Now the question is, how do I know if it's the Holy Spirit? Sometimes I feel like I should do something. You know, how do I know it's not that I didn't have breakfast this morning? You know, it's just my hunger pain saying, you know, you should do something. Couple of tips. Firstly, if the Spirit is going to speak to us, it's always going to be in line with God's Word. The Spirit will never, ever contradict God's Word. Ever. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, all in complete unity. All one, all one, and all in complete unity. So we need to know the, God's word, we need to know the Bible, so we can, we can gauge that, but the Spirit will never deviate from God's word. And we can pray, and maybe this is one of the challenges for this week, we can pray, God, what is your Holy Spirit doing? Imagine starting our day like that. Imagine if you, we started every day, God, what is your Holy Spirit doing today? Help me to listen. Help me to hear, what is your Holy Spirit doing? But then there's another part. Will I do it? It might be to pray about something. Maybe the Spirit will just say to you, pray for this person. It might be to start a conversation. It might be to say hi to the guy at 7-Eleven or Macca's or something or at Sanchao Bow tonight. It might be to give something. It might be a small thing. A few years ago, I felt... I thought it was the Holy Spirit going, move to America. I'm like, oh, I don't want to do that. Um, But I had to test it out. I talked to people. I sought wisdom. I sought wise counsel. I prayed a lot. I looked in God's word. I had to figure that out. Sometimes the Holy Spirit will impress stuff upon you in different ways. Or sometimes he'll work by showing you a verse over and over again in lots of different ways. Here's the thing. If you follow the Holy Spirit, don't assume it'll go well. Sometimes we think, okay, I'm going to do what the Holy Spirit wants me to do and therefore it's going to all going to end well I'm going to have a great story and see an amazing thing. You might follow the Holy Spirit and it may not go too well. That's, like, that's actually quite normal. That's okay. You might lead you into tough times. In fact, often the Holy Spirit will lead us through into the tough times because he wants to deal with stuff. But that is also the fun and the adventure of being a Christian, to follow the Holy Spirit. And I think what I learned from Philip is, as he was discipled, I, don't think he, I think he would have learned this. I don't think it's an accident that he heard that angel, he felt the Holy Spirit, and he went for it. And what an encouragement for us to be like Philip. If the Holy Spirit, as this, this scripture will, will encourage us, I take it the Holy Spirit's at work in us. And he's going to encourage us. He's going to encourage us to do things. He's going to encourage us to respond to him. And we have a choice to say, are we going to listen to that or are we going to ignore it? What an encouragement. Philip was walking in step with the Spirit. What an encouragement for us to do it. So that's, that's what, one of the things I get uh, from, from Philip. But what about the Holy Spirit at work in the Ethiopian? Now, who was this Ethiopian guy? Uh, we know that the, he was from uh, Ethiopian, or a place called, they called it Kush uh, back then. He was a eunuch. Does anyone know what a eunuch is? 
A eunuch was someone who was castrated. If you don't know what that is, go home and ask your parents. Uh, They can explain that to you. Um, But it also meant an important official. Uh, So this eunuch uh, was uh, likely, he was the finance minister. So he was very important. Chances are that he had a big entourage with him. We know from, we can assume from the scripture he was very wealthy. Uh, He, for one thing, uh, he had a chariot. Uh, most people didn't have chariot. It's like a super mega sport, like sports. It's not normal for people to have a chariot, like a super mega sports car or something like that. He had a chariot. But there's also an implication. If he was castrated and he was going to Jerusalem, he may not have been able to worship. He may not have been able to be in the assembly of the people. But he had with him a scroll. Of, he was reading Isaiah. It wasn't an app on his phone. It was probably a massive scroll. Maybe he bought it in Jerusalem because he wasn't allowed to worship. You need to be pretty wealthy. Most villagers had one for the whole village in the temple. He had, he's sitting there reading his scrolls and he's reading through Isaiah. The other thing that's, I think, really significant about this Ethiopian was he was not a Jew. He was a foreigner. But yet, we see that as Philip comes up to him, he's he's trying to understand this scroll. He'd gone to Jerusalem to worship. The Holy Spirit was already in him. But I'm imagining when Philip goes up to him, I love that Philip runs. Because if Philip thought about it, he might think, you know what, that guy, he's not Jewish. He, He won't be interested. In fact, he's wealthy. There was such a cultural divide between young Philip and this Ethiopian eunuch, important official, rich guy, chariot. But what does Philip do? He doesn't spend time going, oh, that, the Holy Spirit's not going to work in that. He's not a, you know, this is before, this takes place before we read about Peter and Cornelius when God shows him that it's okay for Gentiles to come to Christ. This was not a normal thing. Maybe God uses the young person to show that first because the young people are sometimes easier to adapt. But Philip doesn't let that get in the way. The Holy Spirit was at work in this Ethiopian eunuch. I think that's an encouragement to us. Because sometimes we can think, oh, you know what, the Holy Spirit, they wouldn't work in that person. The Holy Spirit, that, that, that person would never be interested in knowing anything about Jesus. The Holy Spirit would never be at work. It's never for us to assume. The Holy Spirit, uh, don't assume the Holy Spirit is, was, uh, is not working in someone. I think it's better to assume always that the Holy Spirit is working in someone. Because we don't know. We don't know what God's doing in someone. Uh, a few years ago, I used to live with a guy called Trevor Hodge. He used to be the worship minister here. Uh, I went out. Uh, one afternoon, we got to meet this Indian guy. We shared the gospel with him. He was interested to talk, but didn't respond. Wasn't, didn't seem, he'd let us talk to him, but he wasn't that interested. A year later was Easter. And Trevor and I had this neighbour move in across the road and we said, do you want to come for lunch? And the guy goes, sure. And he brings this Indian guy that we shared the gospel with a year later. And we talked to this guy. He goes, I remember you. We talked about Jesus. And he said, you know, that was really interesting to me. And I went home and I went back to India and I talked about it with my mum. And when we had lunch that day, you know, we talked about it some more. I don't know what happened to him. But what was really interesting to me was when we talked to him that, that, that first day, he didn't seem interested at all. I couldn't see what the Holy Spirit was doing. But when we met him a year later, 
It was fascinating how the Holy Spirit had kept on keeping all those conversations about Jesus, had spurred on in him. When you share with someone, you don't know what the Holy Spirit's doing. You don't know. Pray and ask God. God, show me. But don't assume the Holy Spirit isn't working. Be like Philip. Run. Every, God desires each and every person to, to know his son, Jesus. Don't assume the Holy Spirit's not working. Do that. Pray for the Holy Spirit. Pray for your friends. Pray that the Holy Spirit's going to work in people. Finally, I want us to think about, look, to glean, what do we learn about the Holy Spirit? What do we learn about evangelism from their conversation? Because I think we have a lot to learn that we can glean as well from how this conversation goes. Philip uh, uh, rocks up to the Ethiopian and he says, do you understand what you're reading, Philip asks. The Ethiopian goes, how can I unless someone explains it to me? So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. And they read through this passage of Isaiah. And what's really cool is that Philip doesn't say to him, hold on, you know, just before, stop reading the Bible, you know, let me talk about who I am and my story. And what Philip does is he points the Ethiopian to God's word. He actually encourages him to look in God's word. And one of the things that the Holy Spirit does is the Holy Spirit will illuminate God's word to people. Uh, the Holy Spirit will make God's word come alive to people. Um, sometimes we don't see it, uh, but I know, in fact, I would make a bet. If you're here tonight and you've come to that point of giving your life to Christ, I'll bet it's not because someone told you a cool story. I bet it's not even because we have great services here at Fig Tree, though we do. I'll bet that it's because somewhere in your heart, God's word, you heard it and you believed it deeply. And that's the thing that brings you to church, that wakes you up every day to pray to God, to continue your relationship with God because of God's word, convicting you that that's true. Now, that's my bet. I'll, I'll bet that's the case. And I think that's how God works. And what Philip does is he points him to God's word. But more than that, just as much as that, he then points him through God's word to Jesus. And that's what our evangelism's got to be, pointing to Jesus. So often we can get caught up in all sorts of great, wonderful debates and conversations. But at the end of the day, I think it's a great encouragement. When we're talking, encouraging people, point to Jesus. If they're going to disagree with us, let it be about who Jesus is. Point them towards the core of, of what we believe. This is this guy, Jesus. Fully God, fully man, died on the cross, rose again, wants to be in relationship with each and every person forever. Point people to Jesus. And we see that's what, uh, that's what Philip does. Uh, and finally, Philip, encouraged, as he's talking with a guy, I love this, Philip encourages him to respond. He uses scripture and encourages him to respond. In verse 36, as they travelled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, Here, eunuch said, here's some water. What can stand in the way of my being baptised? If they've come to that point in the conversation, Philip must have been saying, look, you've got to respond. When we're sharing with people, ask the Holy Spirit to work in them. But encourage people, at some point, you've got to respond to Jesus. At some point, people have to make a response. They can choose to accept Jesus, they can choose to reject Jesus, but at some point, 
people actually have to make a decision. Encourage people, don't sit on the fence. Don't sit on the fence. Don't just you know, forget about it and, and get caught up in the other stuff. Think about it, but however long that takes, make a decision. Come, make a decision. Um, there's so much gold in this passage. Uh, we don't know... Uh, scripture doesn't tell us what happened to that Ethiopian. A historian named Arrhenius, around 180 uh, BC, writes that, uh, that the eunuch went on to preach, uh, went back into Ethiopia to preach what he believed. So tradition says that he um, uh, went and, and shared that good news as well uh, into Ethiopia. But what an encouragement. What an encouragement that God through his Holy Spirit, just like he can use Jesus, can use works in Philip, can work in the Ethiopian, can work in their conversation, and God wants to use that same Holy Spirit in us, at Fig Tree. And so here's my question this evening. How can we grow this week in trusting the Holy Spirit? Some of us might say, yeah, I want to grow in the Holy Spirit. Some of us might be thinking, you know what, Langdon, that's all good, but you mentioned evangelism at the beginning of the sermon. It's not my gifting. doesn't matter. Not mine. I hope tonight's been an encouragement. This passage is an encouragement to say, actually, evangelism, people coming to Jesus, it's actually not us. It is the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we actually... Trust in ourselves to do the job in many different ways. And part of this might be, for some of us, we actually have to let go of trusting in ourselves to do ministry. We put too much effort into our uh, abilities and strengths and, and whatever it might be, and it's actually for us as a church to say, God, any ministry that's going to bear fruit, you've actually got to do it. And God's going to use all the gifts and abilities and talents and all the things we've got to do it, but we need to put our trust in the Holy Spirit. What about us in our personal lives? Are we willing to ask God to reveal what the Holy Spirit is doing amongst us? Are you willing this week to ask God, God, show me what your Spirit's doing. Show me what your Spirit is doing in my friends, in my family, in the people at work, people at school, people at uni. Show me what your Holy Spirit's trying to teach me. Help me to listen when you're trying to talk to me, God. And are we willing this week to be, if we feel a nudge of the Holy Spirit telling us to do something, are we willing this week to do it? Have a crack. I feel like it's like a muscle. If you do it a few times, you start to build it up. If you haven't done it for a while, you know, it's adventurous. If you sense the Holy Spirit's working, if you sense that, you know, it's in line with God's word, if you sense that it's, uh, you know, you got peace, God will often give his peace, do it. Do it. Be obedient to it. Maybe it'll work out well. Maybe it'll work out as a disaster. But be obedient to the Holy Spirit. Are we willing to go and start a conversation with Jesus? Pointing people to God's word and to Jesus. Are we willing to trust in our own ability, not trust in our own abilities, but to start exercising our trust in God? I want to pray for us. I want to pray that God is going to help us trust not in ourselves, but this week grow in our reliance and our trust in the Holy Spirit. Will you pray with me? 
Father, thanks for this word. Thank you for this amazing story that you've given us of Philip and the Ethiopian. Thank you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit at work in Philip as he shared and he's obedient. Thank you that at the same time, Lord, your Holy Spirit was also at work in the Ethiopian. And thank you for the, the ways that your Holy Spirit and the things we could learn about how that conversation went, how you used that conversation to bring that Ethiopian to Christ. Father, we pray that you would help us to listen to your Holy Spirit. We pray that you would help us to hear what he's saying, to, to discern whether it's just our feelings or our wants or our to discern what is from your Holy Spirit. And we pray, Lord, that you would help us to do it, to be obedient. Be like even Philip and run to do it. Father, we pray that we may be a church that is ready and willing to listen to your Holy Spirit, whether it makes sense, whether it doesn't make sense, but we would be a church that is led by your Holy Spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.